And now, it's Gardening Talkback. For our sponsor, Sharp City Gardener, New Home, 324 Derby Street, Newcastle. Call now. 49216216. Welcome to Gardening Talk back on a Monday afternoon. Greg Richard here, joined by Scott Sharp. Scott, great to be back once again. It's always great to be back. We're fresh. It's the start of the new year. Here Raring we are. to go. Raring to go. Almost in full bloom. Not yet. Not in full bloom yet. Not quite. Not Wait. quite. That'd be... Oh, no, give us a couple of months. That's when we really work our way into it. That's when we're really peaking. It is. <laughs> Scott, what have you got planned for us today? Well, something that is peaking at the moment, ah. uh, out and around the uh, suburbs at the moment, ivory curl tree. You've probably seen it out there. It's a really beautiful looking tree. We'll have a chat about that. Uh, lawn grubs in full bloom as well. Oh, great. And a little plant called the goldfish plant. We'll have a talk about that. Oh, excellent. Is that a water plant? No, it's not, but the little flowers look like goldfish. Oh, delightful. When it's in bloom. <laughs> and off the bat today, we've got Sylvia from Bonnells Bay. And she's got, she's got a question about the persimmon. The persimmon. How can we help you with it, Sylvia? Well, first of all, I could be wrong, but I, I, I've got in my mind that it should be fruiting um, end of November, early December. Uh, and it sort of seems to have been struggling this year. It's got less fruits than usual. Uh, and now they've come to the right size and they've been there for a long time without ripening. Okay, so and, and they generally ripen up for yeah. you okay? Oh, no problem. I have tons of them. Yeah, so look, it, it, it is, they, you know, as you said, they should have, uh, you know, come into fruit for you, uh, you know, during November, uh, October, November. Uh, they're a bit like a tomato, I guess, not, you know, in that they uh, fruit at that particular time. And, uh, yeah, it should have ripened up for you. Look, they can get attacked by fruit fly, uh, just like a tomato can. Uh, yeah. So it, it might be worth having, you know, a squeeze of them. I've never had it before. It's an old plant. Yes, it is a very old plant and a very, very tough plant, uh, a plant that will, uh, you know, survive really, really uh, difficult conditions. And look, it might just be that we haven't had very much rain. You know, it's not getting very much moisture up into the fruit at the moment. Uh, that, I've that been could be... watering it well. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How often have you been watering it, Sylvia? Usually twice a week, and I've got sort of irrigation thing, and I leave it on for an hour. Okay. Well, that that sounds like you're watering it. Uh, you know, just about uh, you know the right amount. Uh, do you like? Look, I, I don't actually like the taste of it. Apparently, the botanical name is Diospyros kaki, which is well, actually. Uh, means food of the gods, but I've never actually liked it. It's got this really sort of bitter taste to it, doesn't it? Depends what sort of gods no, they are, I guess. No, sweet. <laughs> oh, this is, I've got soft skin, person, not the hard skin. Ah, okay, okay. Well, look, I, I would... You either love them or you hate them. I, and I think that's probably the best way to describe the taste of them. Yeah, it's a bit like durian, isn't it? You know, the uh, the spiky fruit you get overseas in I've Singapore. I've never tried it. Oh, it's, it's quite nice. But you only do it in little tiny spells, though. I wish we could grow it here. It looks... Yeah. It smells a little bit off, but when you taste it, it is beautiful. Look, with your persimmon, though... Uh, just persevere with it just for a little while longer uh, because, yeah. you know, it is still quite uh, warm at the moment. See if they ripen. But, look, if, if they haven't ripened, uh, you know, once we get into March sometime, uh, it's yeah. probably best just to pick them off and, you know, right, unfortunately just right off the year. Um, you know, we just had an unusual season. Well, I, I've noticed the birds every now and then, oh, I'd say twice a week, yeah. uh, knock one off the tree and if it... Whatever they don't eat seems to ripen on the ground. Should I pick a few and see if I can ripen them in room temperature? Yeah, that's not a bad idea. Even keep them on the windowsill or something like that, just where they're still getting some sunlight. Uh, yes, yeah, see if I've that works for you. Yeah, I've got a very good spot that gets 
strong morning light, um, uh, sunlight. Yeah, I, I don't know. I've never had to do it, and you know, I've always had mounds of them. Yes, because I mean, they're, they're quite a prolific tree, aren't they? With their fruiting, yes. they fruit fruit too you know, much. Quite, too much. Yep. Yeah, I guess that's the way. And if you don't like the taste, it's definitely too much. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, but look, I, I'd give them, you know, another month or so, and if they haven't ripened up on the tree, then uh, and like you said, um, you know, pick some off and see if you can get them to ripen uh, inside yeah. in, in the uh, sunlight in the in the windowsill. It's just so unusual that they're so late. Yes, yeah, and look again. I think that might just be down to the uh, you know the very dry conditions we've had. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks so much for your. Okay. Look, that's not a problem. Have a good day. You too, Sylvia. Have a lovely afternoon. Thank you very much. Bye. Bye. You would have been celebrating the rain on the weekend, wouldn't you? Yeah, it was a bit on Sunday. It was a very stop start, wasn't it? It, it came, it went. Uh, I had someone describe it as like almost like a cartoon. You know, there'd be blue sky, and then all of a sudden, this huge grey cloud would come and just one grey cloud to come over, come over, and, and it always rained on the top of me the way it was. Uh, I must have been just in the right place at the it right time. Have been running faster. Yeah, but it, 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 look from memory, it rained. On Friday night as well? Yeah, I think so, yeah. I think it did, yeah. I, I, that's right. I woke up to the to the rain thinking, aha, that sounds quite nice. And, and it was very nice. So I think we probably need a little bit more, you know. I, w- I would say probably a lot more. A lot more, okay. Uh, but uh, we always want it to rain, you know, usually after about 9 o'clock at night and finish at about, what, 5, 5.30 in the morning? Yeah, that's usually, that's fine. Wouldn't that be perfect? Yeah, maybe 10 o'clock at night. 10 o'clock, yeah, just if you're out somewhere so you can get home without, uh, you know, getting high heels uh, wet. Perfect. That's- Big issue. Yes. <laughs> We've got Bernard now from Cessnock, and he's got a question about dwarf lime trees. Hello, Bernard. How can we help you? Good, Scott. Um, I've got a dwarf uh, lime tree that I want to repot. I want to take it out of the pot that's in and put it into another pot. When is there a good time to do that? Uh, look, it's, have you got much fruit left on it at the moment? It's, it's got uh, about a dozen limes on it, about the size of a golf ball. Okay, so leave them be in that case, uh, because if you start pulling it out of its uh, out of its pot and repotting it, you might you know disrupt the the root system a little bit, and that would stress the plant and make it drop all of those uh, little baby limes that you've got on there. So right. just keep on watering it well and wait until it's finished fruiting, and that's when you'd also give it a very light prune back as well. And okay. uh, and repot it now. Always make sure you use a really good potting mix because uh, limes or citrus are very very heavy feeders, so they need a mm. very good potting mix. Yep. And uh, not straight away, but maybe after about three months, then you'd give it some uh, uh, pelletized fertilizer. Like sudden impact is a very good one to use on citrus trees. Okay. Okay, mate. So when you uh, re uh, don't disturb the roots, don't uh, you know? Some people think, oh, you know, you've got to tease the roots out and all that sort of stuff. Don't do that. Uh, you've got more chance of actually harming the plant by doing that. Uh, always just you know try and get it out and plonk it into the new soil uh, as uh, as whole as possible. Okay, that's okay. great. And we've got Carolyn from Warrabrook and Scott. She's got a question about the Princess Lily. Hey, Carolyn, how can we help you? Hello, Scott. Um, I grow a lot of Princess Lilies, and um, my question is: when one takes them out of the pot to put into the ground? They're usually fairly compact. Yes. And my experience is that they don't like to be messed with too much and disturbed around the root area. But when one puts them in the ground, should they be fluffed up and the roots spread out or put them in the ground and run in the opposite direction and wait to see what happens? 
Uh, look, I, I'm I'm never a big fan of uh, you know teasing out the root ball of plants. I always think that people mm. overdo it and, and do you know a little bit too much damage. Um, yeah. Because it's not the it's sort of uh, it's the very fine hair roots that you almost don't see that are the ones actually absorbing most of the moisture up into the plant and the nutrient. So they're the ones that are going to get damaged the most easily. So I'm usually just a big fan of uh, you know just putting it straight into the ground or you know yeah. repotting and putting straight into into the new potting mix. Mm. Uh, that said, with Ulstromeria, look, they are a bulb. Uh, you know, mm. they, they have got that little bit extra oomph there. Uh, you mm. wouldn't obviously be transplanting them, uh, you know, when they're out in flower because uh, no. if you were to do that and then tease out the roots, uh, look, that would make them drop their flower. Uh, because I just get stressed about that. But look, that said, if you want to, you know, gently, you know, tease them out if they are, you know, root bound or compacted from in the pot, uh, try and do that. But be very careful about it. Don't overdo it. Uh, no. The other clever way to do it as well is if you've got a sort of a big, uh, you know, root ball or a big mass of the bulbs to actually get it some sort of sharp saw or knife. And uh, rather than tearing it apart to actually, you know, actually try and make a nice sharp cut. Uh, down mm. through the middle of it and split your bulbs up that way. Yes, okay. Well, um, my experience is that uh, sometime they'll disappear and you won't see them for a season, but yes, they're there yeah. Yeah. and then they'll come back. But they're not a plant that likes to be um, messed around with too much. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. Look, they, they are a very, I mean, for a tough plant, they can actually be quite fragile. Uh, once yeah. you get them up and running, they just seem to go and go and go. That's right. Uh, but and, and so you have to be careful. But sometimes when you buy them, they come in such a compacted mm. state um, that I wonder, I, I, I try and fluff them up a bit, but um, I'm just not sure whether I do too much or too little. Yeah, look, I'd, I'd always err on the, on the side of caution with that mm. and, and probably yeah. do too little. Uh, okay. Yeah, I think that's the best way to go. Have you got a lot of different mm. colours of them? Because I mean, there's yeah, yes, I've got heaps of them. Yeah, really <laughs> many, many colours. Uh, Alstroemeria. They're beautiful. That, yeah, really yeah. great plant to have uh, in. Uh, yeah. You've got them in hot yeah. conditions, or oh, um, full sun, part shade. Um, I grow them everywhere. Yeah, okay, and, and that is the yeah. great thing about them. They are quite versatile. They will, like you said, take the part shade and all the way up mm. to the full sun. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay. All right, thanks for that. Okay, thank you very much, Carolyn. Bye. Have a nice Bye. afternoon. Bye-bye. Jeez, we've got Mick now from Whitebridge, and he needs advice on what plants to put in a west-facing garden. Hey, Mick, are you a good waterer, mate? Or <laughs> I love a good water, mate. I love a good water. <laughs> what I've got, Scott, is my daughter's house actually... And my granddaughter's bedroom faces west. Now, she's got all the pack on it but and all this sort of stuff, but it does get quite warm there yes. in summer. And we've got some cactus in there. She's put some, some sort of cacti thing in, which won't die, but doesn't really get up and give any uh, any protection. So what I'm after, maybe, I don't know if I can do it, is to take them out and plant some shrubs or whatever it is that aren't obviously aggressive roots, but, uh, but can go pretty much straight up. I'm happy if they get bushy, you can always cut them back to shape, but they need to grow up and... You know, give a little bit of protection from the uh, sun bang into the window. Yeah, mate, how, how tall do you want it to get, do you think? Oh, you, you know, from uh, ground to uh, window top or three-quarter window top, you know, uh, one, uh, two metres, pull it up. Yep, okay, look, I was just asking that because I was thinking, oh, you know, you might want a small tree or something like that in there, yeah. And, yeah, but you don't want to go quite that big. Not my house, I will. I'm doing this house, but I've thought about putting a, a, a tree in that front there that gets all leafed up, being deciduous in the in in in, in the winter uh, and uh, and and 
thrust up in the summertime, but uh, not three would go out fairly quickly to do that and not be not take over the entire front yard. Yeah, look, the, the, what I was thinking at first when you mentioned it, uh, if you wanted a, a nice, you know, uh, sort of shrub-like plant, uh, I'd put a lily pilly in of some sort. Uh, usually, oh, yeah. uh, lily pilly, they only get to about three metres tall. Uh, so you can keep them, you know, pruned, you know, to shape as well. So they're not going to take over that space or, you know, create too much shade in the window. Uh, and look, then the other thing is, like you said, you could put some sort of deciduous tree in there as well. Uh, look, most deciduous trees, you know, they want to get tall, uh, you yeah. know, metres tall. So that's probably not going to be a great answer for you, unfortunately. Uh, Japanese maples, uh, but look, they don't like being out in the full western sun like that, even though they stay nice and short. Um, mate, there is another um, uh, sort of a lower-growing sort of tree-like plant that I quite like, and it's called Fraxinus griffithi. Uh, yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. Well, uh, F R A X I N U S. That's the Fraxinus bit, and then it's just Griffith. You know, is in the town or the, or the city? I can't. Remember. It must be a rural town, I guess. Griffith town. Yeah, rural town of Griffith, and just stick an eye on the end, and that gives you the Griffithi. And, uh, mate, it, it's a really nice uh, little tree. It only gets a few metres tall, but it's open as well, so it lets sunlight through, but it's going to take away that really harsh sting of the sun for her. Does it grow quickly or not? Uh, yes, mate, it's, it's quite a quick-growing quick tree. It also gets a nice sort of white, uh, creamy sort of flower on it as well during spring. You have that in your or really available or what? Oh, yeah, they should be readily available in garden centres. That shouldn't be a problem. Uh, or, you know, if they haven't got one, they should easily be able to get them. Uh, or the other alternative, mate, is the lily pilly that I suggested. Yeah. Um, just yeah. yeah, that's great. And just quickly, I, just for me, I've always thought when telling my wife I'm taking repotting, I say, no, no, you've got to break the soil up and free the, uh, yeah. <laughs> the roots up. But that's obviously never meant, yeah? Uh, look, uh, the reason I say it is because I think people get a bit, uh, you know, overzealous doing it. You know, they, it's like, yep. uh, you know, they, they'll get in there and they really prize it apart and do a lot of damage. And, uh, you know, you really are best, as long as the plant's not root-bound, to just plop it straight into its new spot and uh, leave it be. Just water okay, it. Me, thanks, yeah. thanks. Thanks, okay. Scott. You're excellent. Good Thank on you, you, Mick. Have a nice afternoon, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers. Bye-bye. All these years I've been giving them a light tap. Light tap? What? Like, when you keep, take, please, no, expl- just, please explain. Just, Tap the bottom of it and just let it break up a little bit. But see, there's all those little t- really fine white roots that you might not be seeing, yep. and when you're doing that, they're just getting torn away. Oh right, yeah, and that's that's why I'm I'm, I'm always... not like smashing it up against a brick wall. Well, I, I know I've seen your taps before. <laughs> it's in the old love tap, Greg's old love tap before, and uh, on a plant, I'm, I reckon that might be a little bit uh, painful for it, but a bit too much. Yes, and that's what I'm. It's those really fine hair roots that are just going to get torn away if you if you go and do something like that, uh, and th- and they're right out. You know, they're out at the extremity, going ha ha, new nutrient, ha ha, new uh, moisture for the plant. Yep. And when you get rid of those, the plant's obviously going to have to you know rebuild them. And that could take two or three weeks. The plant's going to get stressed. Any flowers or any new growth on there is going to suffer a little bit. So, yeah, I, I always think just if you get out of the pot, straight into the ground. Fair enough. All right. Yeah, From yeah. now on, that's what I'll do. No more love taps. No more love taps. Yeah, Maybe go. just I'll give it a careless whisper before I put it in. <laughs> and we've got Karen from Belmont. And Scott, she's got a question about nematodes. Yeah, nematodes. How can nematodes. We, nematodes, yes. How can we help you, Karen? Well, I've had a, a great crop of tomatoes and... They've just sort of finished and I'm pulling them up. But I noticed on a few of them the roots are bulbous mm-hmm. and swollen and I'm tipping, it's the nematodes. Yeah. Now, 
Is there anything I can put in the soil to counteract that? Yeah, so nematodes are a little parasitic worm. They, they get in the soil and they attack the, uh, the root system of plants and it makes them wilt and look a bit unhappy. Uh, like mm. you said, Karen, uh, you know, they, they will particularly attack tomatoes. That's one of the most common ones. They will get melons, cucumbers, pumpkins, um, other sorts of strawberries, so other trees as well I get. But I guess tomatoes are probably the ones that uh, people notice the most because they wilt very easily once the nematodes are on there. That's right. Yeah, look, uh, the best thing to do is to get some mustard seeds. All right. Yeah, and you actually grow the mustard in that area. And look, I'm sorry, the other thing you really do need to do is try and leave that area fallow for next season. Uh, yeah, so yeah. You've, you've got nothing there uh, because they're just preying on, on the plants that you put in there. So the thing to do next season is to get some mustard seed, let it grow, and then you actually turn it back through the soil. And for some reason, I mean, some people don't like mustard and apparently nematodes don't either uh, because that will drive them away. Uh, the other uh, solution that people uh, often uh, ring up and tell us about is molasses or molasses. Right. Yeah. If, you, if you come from the deep south of America, uh, molasses, I've never, I don't know where you get it from, probably the shop, probably from oh, you can bring yeah. it to the supermarket. A supermarket, yeah. yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently you mix that up, uh, you dilute it and uh, in some water and you try and water that down through the soil as well. Uh, so if anyone's actually used the molasses and they could tell us how to, uh, uh, you know, how to mix that up might be a good way. But the one I always suggest is the mustard seed and uh, turn that back through the soil and it drives the nematodes away as well as leaving the soil fallow. Oh, fine. I did try the marigolds, and that worked for a couple of yes, years, yep. um, where I let I planted them between the tomatoes, mm -hmm. and then um, folded them in when I pulled it all up, and that has worked. But um, it was just this season I've noticed the nematodes back in the tomatoes. Yeah, there's some, there's something about the smell of the the marigolds as well that drives them away. But it sounds like you might have to sort of move up to uh, you know Defcon. Uh, two on this one and uh, actually yeah, leave it fallow yeah, and sow the mustard through it and then uh, DEFCON 3 I reckon is going to be the molasses and I reckon someone will be busily ringing us at the moment to tell us how to apply it okay, okay. thank you very much for your help good on you Karen thank you very much for the call okay, okay. bye 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 just to clarify there's no such thing as nematodes nematodes okay nematodes nematodes no nematodes there's no nematodes <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to work out where your accent came from then. Nematodes. 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 <laughs> We've got Maureen now from Bottles Bay, and she's got a question about coral vine. Maureen, how can we help you? Hi, Scott. Good afternoon. I want to get... Um, I've got a coral vine, and I want to make more coral vines. <laughs> yes. And I've tried from cuttings, and that they haven't, I haven't had any success. I've read on the internet that you can do it by seed, but I've never seen a seed on them yet. Yes, yeah. And I, want, I just want to know how to do it. Or digging up, they say dig up the root, and I think, oh, God, if I did that and I lost my coral vine, I'd be heartbroken. So can you give me some hints on it? Look, I, it's such a, a sort of a vigorous climber. I, I thought that, uh, you know, taking cuttings and trying to grow them from that would be the way to go. Uh, it probably depends on the time of year you're doing it. You need to do it, uh, you know, in spring. You'll probably give it a crack now, actually, if you wanted to. Uh, now, the, always the thing when you're taking a cutting is to try and get it, uh, you know, up towards the top where it's still a little bit soft, but just where it's starting to harden off. And you take your cuttings there and do quite a number of them and see how it goes. It looks they also um, do flower quite a lot, so you should be able to get... 
um, uh, you know, the seeds off them as well. Uh, people... Well, it's, yeah, sorry? Absolutely co- it's absolutely covered in flowers mm-hmm. at the moment, which what makes me think, oh, I want to get another one of that one. Yeah, uh, look, uh, again, I think cutting's probably the best way to, to try and do that. Make sure you've got a good... Uh, uh, you know, propagation mix that you're putting those cuttings into. Uh, water them as normal. Uh, don't, you know, sort of underwater them. Always water them as you normally would uh, because that propagation mix will allow the, the moisture to soak away anyway uh, and you need to keep them moist. Uh, and, yeah, get some uh, cutting powder. Uh, that's always a, a good thing to go and get, uh, some rooting powder, and you dip the end of the cutting into that uh, cutting powder and uh, it should help it along quite a lot. Uh, now's the time to do it, I reckon, uh, because they are a tropical plant. Uh, that's why you don't see them as much uh, in winter. I've, I've never seen any coral vines for sale since I've moved up here. I've bought mine up with me from Sydney. Yes, yeah. And I have never seen one for sale. My girlfriend grew it for me from hers. Mm-hmm. And they are just such a beautiful thing. And they say they're a vigorous grower, but I've lived here for 20 years and it's only, you know, four foot wide. Yeah, well, that's unusual. I mean, I know a few places, uh, you know, down Hamilton South where the other name they call it is Antigone as well. That's the other name people call it. Uh, it's uh, It runs rampant over people's gardens, uh, you know, along front fences and everything. Uh, out in the full sun. Um, I wonder if that's important. Have you got it in a full sunspot? No, it's yeah. actually growing on a old latticework trellis where we've had um, like a barricade to stop the dogs going into the backyard, part yeah, of the backyard okay. where it gets very wet and I didn't want their mud all over it. So I stuck it on there and I've got camellias growing beside it. Yeah, yeah. And the camellias are bigger than the coral vine and they've been <laughs> there for less time. So yeah. <laughs> I must have a lucky one. I must have a miniature. <laughs> now, now, remember, they are a tropical plant, so they like lots of water as well. Mm, yeah. and they are beautiful. Yeah, they, they really are. The colour of those flowers is just spectacular. If, uh, if Look, if I'm a bloke, and I'm not very good at uh, um, describing colours, um, what, how would you say a pink, cerise? What, uh, Light cerise. Light cerise. Huh. Or, or coral. Greg, Greg, Greg's coral. here cackling in the background that I have managed to, to pluck a colour. something out, right. A yeah. colour out of thin air, and, and I've got it. I didn't have the light, and I thank you for that. Uh, Maureen, that you gave us corrected the, though. I was slightly series. corrected, but I was on target. I was on target. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, thanks for that, Maureen. Okay. Good thanks. luck with bye. it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. We've got Scott now from Arcadia, and he's looking for advice about pruning his mango tree. How can we help you, Scott? Mate, I haven't had any troubles normally pruning the mango tree, yep. but what I, whatever I done last year, only half of the tree got fruit on it. <laughs> Ah, okay. Well, that, that that's unusual because if you prune your mango tree, all the new growth should get fruit on it because that's where it fruits on, on the new growth. Uh, yeah, you know, you see awesome. a mango tree out in the wild, and you know all the all the fruits right up the very top, and because that's yeah. where all the new growth is. Um, look, how heavily did you prune it? Oh, not a great deal. I have a big cover that goes over like a big net to stop the fruit bats. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just had to bring it down a little bit in size. It was only like three or four branches were sticking up. I took them off, and that half of the tree got no fruit at all. Yeah, okay. Look, it might have also been the time that you did it. Uh, it'll come good next season. Yeah, look, it's only, no. yeah, it's only half broken. Don't be worried about it. <laughs> it's half broken. After, so once the fruit's just finished dropping, I can prune it then, yeah? Yeah, that, that's when you should be doing it, yeah. Yeah, right. Okay. So you'll have another chop. Okay, not a worries. Cheers, mate. Good on you, Scott. Bye-bye. It's Gardening Talk back on to when you are at FM. If you've got any questions for Scott Sharp, 49216216. Very professional. Uh, highly, highly. <laughs> Cackling, now you're getting the number wrong. <laughs>
Off put. We've got Beverly now from Raymond Terrace, and she's got a question about the navel orange tree. Hello, Beverly. How can we help you with it? Oh, hello. Nice to speak to you. Thank you. Um, I've got the most beautiful navel orange tree, and last year it was a disaster because the oranges, as they turned orange, they would fall off the ground, and then I'd notice that uh, there was uh, sort of uh, mouldy stuff in them. A slit in them. Yes. So uh, I, all I could do was rake them up from the ground. Uh, now, at the moment, it is absolutely covered mm-hmm. with little green oranges. So I'm hoping that that doesn't happen again. Yeah. So what, what are you doing? Are you treating for fruit fly in any way or...? No, I haven't. Yeah, okay. Well, I think that's probably a good idea because even though your orange is going to fruit a little bit later on in the year, even if if they've set now and they're on the plant, I think it's a good idea to try and keep the fruit fly under control. So you need to both spray and uh, trap for fruit fly. And I believe last week a gentleman rang up and said how good our uh, Vegemite and uh, Malathon solution was. You were here. Don't you remember that? Vegemite and Malathon, and you put it into a you know like one of those plastic uh, takeaway containers, and mm-hmm. yeah, and you put some holes in there and hang it in the tree, uh, and then the fruit fly are attracted into that, and they don't go and sting your uh, little baby oranges that you've got on there. Now the other thing that oranges and all citrus can get is a fungal disease called melanose, and that's what I'm worried about with yours. The way you said that they'd sort of hit the ground and they had. I mean, they looked a bit sort of browny. So they can get a fungal disease. Now, to treat that, you need to get a product called uh, copper oxychloride. It's just a blue sort of powder, and you mix it up in water and spray it over, and it forms a protective coating. And you would actually do that now uh, if you wanted to. Uh, That's uh, a really good thing to do at the moment to try and keep it, you know, those fungal diseases under control as we head into a couple more humid months. So uh, fruit fly for you. And uh, the uh, melanose using the copper oxychloride. Uh, we've got Carlene from Taralba, and she needs advice about pruning a very large magnolia tree. Hi. Hey, Carlene, how can we help you? Um, I, well, I, we, my husband and I, live on a very steep block, mm-hmm. and right near the house, we've got a two story house, right near the house, we've got a really, really large magnolia that is taller than a house, than a roof line. Yes. And then further down the block, we've got um, Lilicilli that is enormous. And then further down, even still, we've got the it's massive fiddlewood. Oh. Now, oh, oh, I love the fiddlewood. Yeah, I think yeah. it's gorgeous, yeah. Um, but they're all looking really leggy. Okay. And I don't... I I got an arborist to come out to have a look at them probably about 12, 18 months ago, and he said, oh, I wouldn't prune them. But I look at them and I think, well, if I prune them, are they going to become more leafy like a normal plant would, or should I not prune them? Yeah, so generally whenever you prune a tree, uh, yes, it will get, you know, more leafy for you, but... The, the, the proviso on that is sometimes you can lose the structure of the plant. You know, you get those main leader branches moving off and, and you go and prune and all of a sudden you get these funny sort of water shoots coming out from there. Yeah, like, jack, like 
Jacarandas. Yeah, like Jacarandas. Yeah. Uh, so, look, with your fiddle wood, I think you could pretty, you know, successfully prune it. Uh, I wouldn't be worried about, uh, you know, it doing that. Uh, you know, you will get yeah. a much more leafier and fuller plant. Uh, as yeah. for the large magnolia, you know, they have a very definite structure. So I'd probably be yeah. a little bit cautious about doing that. And sorry, the third plant you said? Was um, a lily pilly. Oh, yeah, look, with a lily pilly, you can go for it. Yeah, there's no, no problems okay. with that at all, yeah. Okay, right, fabulous. So yeah. I'll need an arborist again. Yeah, so I'd, yeah, I'd go get an arborist, <laughs> um, get, get a couple of quotes. Um, you know, they do vary in price. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, go for it uh, with the fiddlewood. Uh, probably leave the big magnolia alone. Uh, but uh, lily pilly, certainly go for that as well. So with the magnolia, how can I get it to produce more flowers? Because this year, mm-hmm. um, it, we hardly got any flowers. Yeah, so I think it's probably just been that it's very dry. What type of magnolia is it that you've got? A very big one. Look, it might be Magnolia grand, Grandiflora. That's that's the big one that you see around the in parks. The flowers are like dinner plate size. Yeah, so it sounds like some sort of form of Grandiflora. Uh, look, the, uh, it, I think it's just going to be that it's been very dry. Uh, you know, with a plant, okay. a plant that size, trying to water it's, uh, you know, problematic. You're probably not going to be able to water it as much as it actually needs. Uh, yeah. I'd just uh, go out and do a rain dance. That's always the best way to do it. Okay. Yeah. Well, move, move, uh, move out. Grey cycle, washing onto it. Uh, look, like we've got a hose. Yeah, look, I, I've always go. been a bit uh, suspicious about you know grey cycle water. How how sort of grey is it? It comes. Well, see, the previous owner put it in. It comes from um, the laundry and the toilets. No, the laundry and the showers, I think. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you've been using it successfully on plants up until now. Yeah. Yeah, and and you've had no no effect or anything from it. No, not that I not that I've noticed. No. Yeah. Okay. Well, look, uh, you, might, you might as well put it on the big magnolia. If anything, will it should be able to soak it up quite nicely. Okay. All right. Okay. Thank you so much. Okay. Good on you. Thanks very much have for the call. Day. Okay. You okay. too. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. And we've got Jill now from Salamander Bay, and she's got a question about tomatoes. tomatoes. Hello, yes. Jill. How can we help you with them? no success. I've been trying for a few months and they get up to about <clears throat> 25 centimetres. Then the leaves at the bottom start to go yellow and they continue up the stalk. Yeah, yeah. Now, do we talk to you before you've got them in a raised garden bed or something? No. 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 Oh, that's, that's my bad memory. That's my bad, so okay. <laughs> no, I've got them in a a little risen garden, and um, I don't know if I've got too much good stuff in it. Oh, no, look, you, no, with tomatoes, you can never have sort of too much good stuff. You need to make sure that you're watering them regularly. Uh, don't sort yeah, of, you I know... Do yeah, don't and water just... Same time every day. Yeah, excellent, uh, because you can split the fruit if you uh, water irregularly with tomatoes. Mm. Uh, look... The other thing, you know, you might have nematodes. Uh, you know, we were just uh, talking to some people before about nematodes and they're a little parasitic uh, worm that can get on the roots. The only way you're going to discover that, though, is to actually pull a plant out and, yeah. and have a squiz at it. Uh, yeah, and often that manifests itself as the top of the plant uh, sort of wilting. You get a wilting of the plant. But you're, you're saying that it's dying from the bottom up, are you? Yes, yeah. And I've put in a few lots. Yeah. As happening to all of them. 
Right. Okay. And look, now you're where are you? You're up at uh, Salamander. At Salamander. Yeah. I'd grab some some of the soil that you're using as well, and mm-hmm. uh, take it to your. Have you got a local garden centre up there still? No, we haven't. Uh, okay. Because I was thinking, well, maybe even next time you're down in, around Newcastle area or up around Maitland, uh, yeah. grab, take some of your soil with you. Just so yeah. that they can test it and test the pH of the soil to make sure that you've got that right. Okay. Yeah, because you don't want it too alkaline with tomatoes. It needs, just needs to be either neutral or slightly acidic. So that might be a good port of call for you. Uh, okay. To, you know, to, next time you're uh, you know, heading down this way to just bring a little bit of soil and mm. uh, get it pH tested. All right. Okay. Thank you very Thanks much. Thanks very much for that, Jill. Have a nice afternoon. You too. Thank you. Bye. Cheers, thanks, Jill. Scott, I think we've got time for one last caller. Okay, we'll, we'll, we'll go for it. Hits. It's Loretta from Cessnock, and she needs a bit of advice about lemon trees. Hello, Loretta. How can we help you with it? Uh, hello, Scott. Um, I was listening to the lady talk about her um, navel orange. Mm-hmm. I've got a similar um, thing with my lemon trees. They seem to get stung, and... They where they get stung, they start going like a bit mouldy. Yes, that's correct. I yeah. have sprayed it with malathion. Yeah. But I heard you say something about Vegemite and um, malathion in the plastic containers, and I thought, you know, if I had them hanging in the tree all the time, it would more than likely do more good. Yeah, and I think I think it does rather than spraying because uh, you know you have to you know, hope that the fruit fly are around when you're spraying. Right, but when you're trapping, they're there, you know, twenty four seven for you. They're there at night. They're there during yeah, the day. Right. You know, you can be sitting having a wine or whatever, and that trap is there working very very hard for you. Yeah. So, so yeah, that what we suggest is you get some Vegemite. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you get a little bit of malathion, and you just now that malathion is just straight malathion. You don't yep, mix it like yeah, you, you wouldn't. No, you don't. You don't really have to mix it because you're only making a, a very, yeah, very sort of a a paste. Yeah, and yeah. you get your uh, takeaway container, and you put mm. some holes in it. Uh, you know, cut some holes so that the fruit fly can actually get in. Yeah, and then get some string or you know another hole of some sort or some wire, and actually then put a few of those up in the tree. Mm. And uh, leave it there so that the fruit fly can get in. Uh, you might have to, uh, you know, redo the paste every now and again as it dries yeah. out, or even just add a little bit of water to it just to rehydrate. And it'd be an idea to hang a few in there, wouldn't it? Yeah, and I think the gentleman last week said, you know, he was getting many, many um, dead fruit fly out of there every day. So it, it, yeah. it really does work. The veggie might attack uh, attracts the female fruit fly. They come in, they have a bit of a feed. Mm-hmm. And of course, the poison's there, waiting around the corner for them, and uh, they just keel over and die. I did notice the last time I was spraying it, I had a couple of those, I call them stink beetles, but mm-hmm. they're those um, green shield. Yes, that's correct, yeah. Um, they'd be doing damage? Oh, they do damage usually up on the, on the new growth of the plant. Uh, they, yeah. they stick their little proboscis into the, uh, into the stem of the plant and they suck away in the nice new growth and it makes it curl up and disfigures the plant. Uh, oh, look, right. The only way to really get rid of that is to uh, use a, a vacuum cleaner to vac them away. Or... Oh, right. Well, there was only a couple on it. I went over it and didn't find yeah. any more. So, yeah, look, and that's the way to do it. If you, if you do see them on there, uh, I always say use Comfidor, um, but just get out there. Don't sort of spray willy-nilly. Make sure you've got a nice, you know, definite stream on your... Uh, on your sprayer and just give it a, mm. like a little shot like your Clint Eastwood or, you know, the man yeah, with right. yeah, and give it a nice good sharp shooting um, <laughs> spot on there and that'll, that'll get rid of them. You don't want to be spraying willy-nilly and, and harming the bees. 
No, I bustle the fan when you're spraying with marathon. You're getting as much on yourself as you're getting on the tree. Yeah, and that's, that's when it's up high. Yeah, and that's why I think those traps are really good. Now, the other thing mentioning about up high with a citrus tree, always give it a prune back after it's finished fruiting because uh, the fruit just keeps on moving up to the top and makes it far more difficult yeah. for you to yeah. try and control. Yeah, I've got. Um, also got a mandarin tree over there, and I did give it a good prune back, but then it shot up new growth just as tall as ever again, so the fruit's way up high again. Okay, that's fantastic. Um, so good luck with the fruit fly, and thanks very much for your call, Loretta. Scott, shut up. We were out of time. Again? It's flying so quickly. I have to even cut you off right now so I can do the weather. Oh, no. Okay. Sorry. Sorry, Sorry champ. <laughs> thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com. <laughs>